Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. Hello, my name is Audrey, and this is my husband, Henry. We don't want to hurt you or your baby. We feel this would be the best way for you to go missing. So much for the book. No one has more time than a grieving family. We can do this. He's coming back to us. As popular as the haunted house horror subgenre is, it can be difficult to innovate in memorably terrifying ways. There can only be so many the house is built on an Indian burial ground type narratives after all. An example of a 2020 film that broke new ground within this horror staple was His House, a haunted house horror film that was less about the home itself and more about the characters who resided there. Taking characters' collective trauma and weaponizing it via supernatural manifestations is at the core of every meaningful haunting film. Grief being the primer for a haunting is one that can be molded into any and all manner of ghosts and scares, but so long as the characters themselves don't become lost within a haunting narrative, it has the potential to make the film all the more stand out. And director Justin Dyke and writer Keith Cooper have achieved just that with their strong horror debut, Anything for Jackson, which is currently streaming on Shudder. Anything for Jackson begins about as suddenly as a film possibly could. A perfectly normal-seeming elderly couple, Audrey, played by Sheila McCarthy, and Henry, played by Julian Richings, pause their morning breakfast to abduct a young woman walking by their home. Though, this isn't just any woman, as the kidnappee is Becker, played by Constantina Montelos, pregnant patient of Henry's. This seemingly random crime exposes the Walsh's crippling grief that has led them to do the unimaginable, turn to Satanism. The couple has planned to make a deal with the devil to put their recently deceased grandson Jackson's spirit into Becker's baby, reviving him. A reverse exorcism, if you will. But as deals with the devil typically go, the Walshers unleash more than they can handle. Now, Becker must attempt to escape before the Walshers, or what they've unleashed, harm her or her unborn child. Given that Justin Dyke and his writing partner Keith Cooper have worked together previously on Hallmark and made-for-TV holiday movies, it's shocking just how well-constructed anything for Jackson is for their first horror film. A brief personal anecdote, I have friends who aren't the biggest horror fans, but still ask me for recommendations from time to time. They often enjoy lamenting to me that modern horror movies just aren't that scary anymore. Well, my friends, I hope you're ready for anything for Jackson to shut that slandering nonsense of the genre down, because this movie is scary as hell. The variety of hauntings and the quality of disturbing, shocking, and grotesque depictions of spirits are some of the strongest around. Whether it's Henry waking up to a strange woman in his bathroom, turning to reveal she's flossing so aggressively that her gums are bloody and her teeth are missing, or a legitimately nightmare fuel-inducing performance from contortionist Twisty Troy James, the film is anything but one note in terms of its scares. One particular scare highlights the importance of having scares exploit characters' grief, using it against them in a meaningful way rather than just to be scary. One evening, Audrey is home alone. A child in a sheet ghost costume appears at their door to trick-or-treat, despite it being the dead of winter. As the ghostly child incessantly knocks despite Audrey's pleading for it to leave her alone, the child suddenly appears inside the home. This particular scare is a fantastic homage to David Robert Mitchell's 2015 film It Follows, as the child steps from a doorway and is now a towering figure underneath that ghost costume. 
While this scene is both frightening and sudden, it gets at the root of why the film is so successful at what it does. The significance of the ghost costume isn't immediately clear, and you wouldn't be wrong for assuming this was designed to simply serve as a creepy apparition. But, in further exploring the Walsh's grief, we come to understand the melancholic grief interwoven into that particular scare, and the film as a whole. And this is another element that the film's creative duo capitalizes on in a way that makes it difficult to believe that this is their first horror venture, and allows anything for Jackson to stand as a testament to their love for the genre. And now for a brief intermission. If you've been enjoying this episode of Daily Horror Habit, please take a moment to subscribe to the show on your preferred streaming platform or leaving a review on iTunes. And thank you for your continued support, which drives the show's success. And now, without further ado, let's get back to today's horrifying episode. Dyke and Cooper's ability to make the Walshes the clear antagonists of the film sympathetic is yet another remarkable feat of theirs. Despite their kidnapping Becker and, you know, the whole bit with summoning a demon, these are two people whose grief you at least understand. What lengths would you go to bring someone back whom you lost at too young an age? Of course, their actions are never presented as being justified, but we can understand their steadfast determination to seeing this horrific act through, which humanizes them to a degree. This is also helped by the duo performance of Sheila McCarthy and Julian Richings. Their relationship is the foundation for the insanity that is occurring, and despite being grief-stricken, their demeanor is that of very calm and collected. They didn't just kidnap a woman off the street, bashing one of her hands with the ball-peen hammer when she grabs onto a doorframe. Rather, Audrey describes it as, they had a big morning. Their downplaying what is actually happening early on is incredibly disturbing, and you believe that they have justified what they're doing for the greater good of their family. Until all that batshit insane ghosts begin appearing anyways. Now, anything for Jackson's scares within the house are a fantastic highlight, and the couple themselves are great. It's the narrative outside the home and the additional characters introduced that feel extraneous. In expanding the film's world from the confines of the Walsh's home, including a trip to a community center, doctor's office, and graveyard, it does slightly dispel the claustrophobic confines that the film begins with. We never necessarily feel trapped within the home with Becker, which would have made the overall film even tenser. Being shown the outside world makes the notion of escaping plausible, which does make the tension ebb and flow at times. This by no means undoes the strong work of the film overall, but it would have made the narrative bits in between the scares stronger. Shudder's Anything for Jackson is a last-minute December surprise that is absolutely worth checking out for horror and haunted house subgenre fans. If anyone has been keeping track at home, I would place this haunted house offering between two other recent haunting films that I've reviewed, those being Don't Listen in his house. Anything for Jackson is a far scarier film than Don't Listen, and while it explores grief in a smart way that complements its scares, it isn't quite as groundbreaking as his house. It's still a remarkable horror debut for the creative team, and I look forward to seeing what terrors they will surely craft in the future. So be sure to check out Anything for Jackson on Shudder. And that'll do it for another episode of Daily Horror Habit. I'll see you guys tomorrow for another Daily Horror Movie Review. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow at Daily Horror Habit on Instagram and at Daily Horror Pod on Twitter.